This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Your weekend is not complete without the First Lady of New York Radio. It's the Joan Hamburg Show, Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome, everyone, to the Joan Hamburg Show. We have such a good show as we do every Sunday, starting at 2 o'clock, we have Joe Nathan, who is one of the best foodies in America. She's a very well-known cookbook author. She is a contributor to the New York Times, and she's a great cook, really, and an authority on Jewish holidays and food that goes along with them. So I'm excited for you to meet, if you haven't met her already, Joan Nathan. And then we're going to take you to Broadway, where actor Danny Burstein is starring. And he's got great tales to tell. A terrific Sunday, straight ahead on The Joan Hamburg Show. So don't go anywhere. We need you to be with us. And I am Joan Hamburg. The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Joan Eats. If you're thinking about ordering a turkey or a ham for the Easter holidays, this is the perfect time. You should do it now, as soon as possible. Ask for delivery on April 4th or 5th, the Tuesday or Wednesday before Easter, in case there are shipping issues. I love Jive Turkey. May do it myself this year. JiveTurkey.com, 718-797-1688. Crispy, deep-fried turkey. No mess, delicious. You remember they were in Brooklyn. In fact, on Thanksgiving, the lines were around the block. People love those deep-fried turkeys. There's no more storefront. But since 2015, Jive Turkeys has sold their famous fried turkeys across the country. Great for Easter dinner. They come in their basic called the Jive Turkey, seasoned with garlic powder and pepper, Cajun turkey, Jamaican jerk turkey, and herb bourbon turkey. They have a lot of them. They come in a special bag. You can keep them in the fridge for up to four days. They heat in about 45 minutes, and it eliminates hours of prepping, defrosting, seasoning, basting. The bags allow the skin to re-crisp, so you get a turkey that looks like it's just pulled out of the oven. It's delicious. They're between 12 and 14 pounds. They're $129 each, plus shipping. If you live near Brooklyn, you can order your turkey and pick it up at 332 Myrtle Avenue in Brooklyn. And then Nueskis, N-U-E-S-K-E apostrophe S, 390 East Grand Avenue, Wittenberg, 
Wisconsin, 800-382-2266. They specialize in applewood, smoked meats, bacon, ham, sausage, poultry. Their bacon is delicious. And for Easter, you might want to try the spiral slice bone and ham. Then you've got a bone to make split pea soup. And you can get a half for $84.99. It's about seven pounds. Or you can get a whole 12 pounds for $119. They're whole smoked turkeys, moist, juicy, flavorful, fully kipped, fully cooked, ready to eat. You can heat them up or eat them at room temperature. $79 for, oh, and I think it's $79.99. You'll check that. A smoked whole turkey, nine pounds, and really delicious, and they even have a bigger size. Shipping fees are additional based on the value of the product and address. They claim you should order your Easter one before April 1st. And don't forget Burgers, B-U-R-G-E-R-S Smokehouse in California, Missouri, 800 624 5426smokehouse.com. Maybe your friends ordered ham from here like mine did. It absolutely is delicious. And their story goes back to 1927 when the burger founder learned from generations past how to cure the perfect ham. And Mr. Burger was a rural farmer in Missouri, three and four generations of the family still operate it, and they make them from fresh ham, grind in a sweet honey cure, slow-smoked over real history wood chip, savory, sweet, delicious every time, just heat in the oven, free shipping on hams and turkeys, shipped in the country, and you can buy them whole or half from 79 to 130. Really delicious. And then Dartagian, 1-800-327-8246, weekdays 9 to 5, have been committed for over 35 years to free-range natural products, humane farming, really a wonderful company. And their Berkshire pork bone and smoked ham half starts at 92 frozen, 94.99 fresh. It's uncured, fully cooked, ready to eat, naturally smoked, no nitrites, no phosphates, no artificial fillers, really something special. So you've got a little head start on a delicious holiday to come. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
the First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome, everyone, to the Joan Hamburg Show. We have Passover, we have Easter, we have holidays coming up. And I love to talk to Joan Nathan, who's one of the great foodies in this country and very interesting, a cookbook author of so many cookbooks, a contributor to the New York Times. And I'm sure that if you go back to Joan's roots, that you wouldn't think from all the things that she studied that she would end up being a major player in the world of food. A master's degree in French literature and public um, administration from Harvard worked for a lot of political people like mayors, including our own Mayor Abraham Beam in New York City. So no one has had a more interesting career than the one and only Joan Nathan. And it's still (laughs) going strong. I'm sure that when you got out of school, it didn't enter your mind that you are going to be one of the leading authorities on Jewish uh, cooking in America. Absolutely not. No way. In fact, I'm just finishing a memoir that's coming out in a year, just one year in March, uh, called um, Joan Nathan, A Life in Search of Recipes. And it talks about all the things you were just saying. This talks about all the different facets of my life and how I ended up in food. You know, but it's interesting because I was saying to my children not long ago, many of their friends and even the generation right on back of them have life plans, quote unquote. But many of us just let life happen to us. You know, you when you were a kid, in school, you didn't say, I'm going to grow up to be no. Joan Nathan, no. the big food authority, right? I mean, you, your path took you so many different turns. And it just happens, you know. You just do a good job in whatever you're doing and have a little bit of, I don't know, it just, my life just happened. Right, but you let it happen and you went along with it. Well, and you have to work hard too. But I, but I never, I, I, I honestly think I never wanted anything but an interesting life. That's mm-hmm. it. But then, where <laughs> did the food come from? Well, read my memoir. My my father was German born, and he liked to eat. He liked to go to restaurants. Like he liked taking me to the. I'm sure you knew La Potiniere in New York, and of course. <laughs> And I, my grandfather liked to take me to Hungarian restaurants <clears throat> up on, you know, in Yorkville. And I just, and I love the horn and heart arts, mm. you know, so that was something, I guess food and, and people were the two things that I always liked. And I liked being together as a family and talking about food and cooking and I don't know, but, but I also was curious about my own background and other people's backgrounds. And I, I never think of like a rest, a recipe. It's just something on a plate, you know, it's, it, it's what it led to that plate. And that's, what's interesting to me. Right. And so, every in, recipe has a story 
and every recipe has a story. So right now, as we're talking, you know, we're preparing for Passover in my kitchen, or for Passover and also the end of when my kids are coming home. And, you know, I'm doing all these old recipes, like an old um, fish recipe from a Sephardic Jews with preserved lemon in it and uh, um, olives and peppers and going to be delicious and and then another recipe i just got in i was just in israel and it was a risotto from jerusalem with all kinds of grains that we never use like fricka which is the parched wheat of the bible and um it's sort of an ancient risotto it's not really a risotto but sort of a risotto so that's the kind of thing i'm i'm always looking for and um and I, you know, and it's true. It tells a story, and that, and that's what actually Passover and Easter do was tell stories. And, and the other thing that I really like is sort of getting in touch with the cyclical year, you know, the the, the natural year, natural uh-huh. cycle year. And um, and so, you know, when you were talking just now about Easter and Passover, all the eggs because you know chickens lay eggs at a time when there's more grass and and that's in the early spring and so we have all these eggs to to use and so both easter and passover use them but what is there a symbolism of eggs is it fertility is it i mean right it's fertility it's um yeah fertility mostly but also um the, the sort of the circular part of the year, the now, circle of the year, and the circle of life. The circle of life. And you are busy now changing, I take it, your kitchen. Could you explain well, what I don't that change. is? What I do is I don't change my kitchen. But what mm-hmm. I do is I get put a, a certain part of the kitchen, I'll... Um, clean it off and get rid of everything, and we'll just cook there right now for whatever we're doing for Passover. But uh-huh. I try to I try to get rid of everything that's fermented or like I've already been through my freezer and just moving things around so that uh, the, the, I have two freezers so that I can using one freezer for Passover and one not for Passover. I try to do spring cleaning in my house. And this but is you know, the I'm excuse. not I'm not uh, such a stickler, but I do as much as I can, and um, I don't change dishes. Um, but you know, everybody knows that it's Passover, and I keep Passover for eight days. Mm-hmm. So I do it in my own way. And do your children come home? Do they have favorites? What do you do? Well, they yeah they actually that's funny. I just wrote to all of them and their spouses to see what does Passover, what food does Passover mean to you? And my son said matzo balls and chicken soup. And then my daughter-in-law said I have make this wonderful egg and spinach. It's just delicious. And she said mm-hmm. that's what it means to her the spinach and egg, and and which is an old Sephardic. Um, Recipe, recipe where the eggs are cooked for hours and hours 
and then let's see, and then other people did a, a flourless chocolate cake. So it was kind of fun to see what everybody right. liked. Because then I think about what am I going to be making, you know, for for, for Passover because we have thirty five people coming. Yeah, and what do they? What basically do you think that you might do? Do you do you do a fish? Do you do? Oh, a tur- yeah, I do. Well, we have a gefilte fish in next the Tuesday before Passover. Six women come to my house every year, oh. and we all make gefilte fish, and it's <laughs> really fun. It's the only time we do it in that way, in the very traditional way, and. Um, and then I do chicken soup with matzo ball. Oh, we start out with the eggs in the salt water with the spinach, and that's from the island of Corfu. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do, I'm going to do brisket, and I'm going to do this chicken pandora that's in one of my books. With um, And I, and I, my daughter-in-law is kosher, so I'm getting all kosher meats for the Seder. But the chicken... Um, the chicken has got uh, sun-dried tomatoes and artichokes in it. Mm. And so we're going to make that, risk it, and then everybody's going to bring that something invited is they're going to bring salads and they're going to bring uh, vegetables and desserts. So, you know, because I, I need some help, right? It sounds and like then, you need a lot of help. And I've, <laughs> and I've also asked everybody to try to bring some traditional recipe from their family. Yes. But half of the people that come aren't Jewish. A lot of them are not Jewish that are, you know, married to somebody who's Jewish or are interested in the Seder. There's a, there's a, um, a very new, well, I'm not going to say her name, but a very well-known poet who's not Jewish wants to come. And, you know, I, I love my Seder, so. And who I, leads the Seder? The kids to you? Well, now that all my kids are going to do it, and then we have a cousin who's, she knows a lot about it. But this year, the head of, uh, he doesn't know it, but I'm going to ask him to help in some way. Um, he's the head, the head of the Department of Judaic Studies at American University. So he might do it, I, but my kids will do it. They all know a lot. Right, and and my <clears throat> daughter Daniela's wife is she's amazing, and she knows. So they they'll all do it. Alan did a great job, but he's no longer here, so we have to, you know, do something yeah, else. Do it, and don't forget for those listening. Passover is the story of the Israelis' departure from ancient Egypt. And it's it's really the most important. It's it's how the Jews became Jews, going from slavery to freedom, and um, so that you know that's an important event. Um, you know, I came I just came back from from Israel, and I was in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and I hadn't been there in years and years since I worked for Teddy Kollek in in the seventies. And I walked into the church, and I realized that the church are, the, are also the last three or four, I think it's three, um, um, you know, the places of the, uh, the, wait a minute, the, 
you know, when they, when they walked to when he was crucified mm-hmm. and um, and then and then showed where he was resurrected. And it was very, very meaningful going there because, you know, he was a Jew and, and he, you know, he went through what he wanted. And so many people have gone through that throughout the centuries. Right. And I'm talking to Joe Nathan. Stations of the cross, that's it. Right. And the Passover meal, the Seder. That was the last meal. Right, the last meal and the removal of leavened products. And they substitute matzah for bread, right? And then tell the story of the exodus. Right. And 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 you're not supposed to have anything... Leaven, but it's not leaven. It's really fermented. So you can't have like fermented pickles or you can't have fermented um, dough or like, and and very religious Jews will not eat matzo balls because they feel that at Passover, that's really fermenting. And so, so they're all different traditions all over the world and what you can eat and what you can't eat. It's just amazing, and it, it's it's pretty interesting. Yes, without question. And Passover is on sundown, April fifth, right? And it goes right. to April thirteenth, doesn't right. it? Right. Yes. Okay. Well, it's something, and we always love to check in and see what the Nathan family is going to eat and what they're going to do. I remember during various holidays, you would organize plays and the kids would right. do theatrical well, events. Now the, the plays, now the kids are grown up, but their children are children. So we're going to have the play and we're going to do it outside. We did it outside last year. I want to see if how cold it's going to be, if, if it's going to be cold enough. I mean, too cold to do it outside, but I'd mm-hmm. love to do it outside. <laughs> And um, it was wonderful because the kids would run around, and it it, it was fabulous. So I'm, I'm keeping my cross, my hands, fingers crossed that we'll be able to do it outside this year, um, and with wonderful, you know, with wonderful people. And you know, one one year for my seder, after the play, I could see nobody wanted to leave, and I felt that it was because. We don't have meetings together as a group. We're so separate, don't you think? I mean, I know in your family they're not, but the way that we live, we had all come together for this evening, and nobody wanted it to end. I know. That's the end. And so all my kids are coming. One lives in New Orleans. The other two live in L.A., and they're all coming for the Seder. Well, I love that. It's fantastic. And you're right. Our family, because we grew up like that, all the cousins still, wherever they're from, try to make it in uh, for this holiday. And as Joe Nathan pointed out, it's there are Jews and non-Jews, but it's all about the family, the togetherness, the Seder, the tradition, and of course, the food. I mean, we're still talking about what we should cook or what we should make. My daughter said, I just made a chicken with prunes, apricots, and apples. Mm, that that was good. really delicious. 
Well, so, that sounds perfect. Yeah, maybe we'll <laughs> we'll do something like that and I get away. That, I think that what's really important is to have a few recipes that that say this is my family that right. you use every year, and then the rest you can try new things with. And I, you know, I always um, make this thing called a Kremsluch, which what's is that? Like, it's a um, it's like a matzo donut that my grand mm-hmm. my father always ma- had in his family. My mother learned to make it, and I make it every year. It's really hard because you know I have so much to do, but I do it at the last minute, and I try to take time to think about my dad. And everybody loves it, and whatever's left over from dinner, they have it for breakfast with a, it's with have it with prunes, stewed prunes, mm. and it's like this crispy donut with it's a crispy matzo donut with art, um, apricots and prunes and raisins and nuts. It's really delicious. Oh my gosh, it sounds absolutely delicious. You know. Um... I was taking a writing course, and one of the assignments was something like this, you know, persistence of memory, family holidays. And I remember that the last time we did this, I was standing in my kitchen. I was on the phone as usual. It was tucked under my chin. One hand was in the freezer testing the ice cream, you know, in case something new had happened. And on the other hand, when it was free, because the phone was being held by my chin, I would be preparing food. And my breakfast room is mirrored, you know, all across it. And I looked in that mirror and I saw my mother. And oh, my was, God. That's so great. Right, I was like, what's my mother doing in my mirror? Oh. You know, but there she was. Oh, how wonderful. And I, you know, when you're a kid, you say, I'm never going to grow up to be my mother. And of course, I hope when I grow up, I'll be my mother. I know. That's, believe me, I, my, in my memoir, I realized how, like somebody once told me, the most important person in your life is your mother, no matter what you say, bad or good. And, you know, I think that's true, especially for a woman. Right. No, it and, is true. But I, I honestly, I think of the way my mother lived her life, and I, I think about her every single day, you know, I, and I hope that I can live up to her. Well, she was a great lady. Well, and you're a great lady, and I love that you came on with us. Happy holiday to you and your family. The same and to you, I Joe. hope I see you soon. Thank you. Okay. Uh, my the one and only Joe Nathan, who is a very well-renowned cookbook author, writes for major publications, including the New York Times, has her own memoir coming out in a year, and we're going to look for that, and I look forward to talking to you again. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, my dear. Coming up next is wonderful actor Danny Verstein, who's starring on Broadway in Pictures from home. Stay tuned. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome, everyone, to the Joan Hamburg Show. And I'm really happy to have Danny Verstein with me today, one of our great actors. In fact, Danny, not that long ago, won a Tony for his performance as Harold in Moulin Rouge on Broadway. He's won all kinds of awards, nominations, everything great. And I particularly loved his work in Pictures from Home. If you haven't seen it, do. It had a real impact on me. I truly love this show. Pictures from Home, Broadway.com, and it's at Studio 54. And, you know, I often talk about when I'm giving a lecture or something about my family, what it was like growing up in my very large, noisy family, and that my brother and I are convinced we grew up, even though we lived in the same home, in two different places because our experiences were so different. And this play had so much meaning for me it's about, it's real. And I'm going to let Danny Burstein, who stars as the son in this amazing piece of theater, give you a little bit of background. Hi, Danny. Welcome. Hi, Joan. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I love the play. It brought back so much and so much to think of, even in the future, how we all have different versions of a shared life. Correct. Yeah. Well, so, I'll start at the beginning. Um, go ahead, Danny. Uh, uh, Pictures from Home is the true life story of the photographer Larry Sultan, who uh, had the great idea of going down. He lived in San Francisco, and his parents lived in the San Fernando Valley. They're transplanted New Yorkers. And he went down to visit his parents, once a month, sometimes twice a month, for 10 years to take pictures of them, to live with them, to try to get uh, their real life, get pictures of their real life. But while he was taking pictures of them, he also uh, brought his tape recorder. And so it's, uh, he, what he did was he created this wonderful picture memoir book, also called Pictures from Home. And uh, he interviewed his parents and got their stories, the stories of their lives. And who wouldn't want to, you know, on some level, really deeply understand why their parents did what they did, made the decisions they did, and and know their parents in a very deep, deep way. And that's what he did for 10 years. And his parents were very forgiving and loving and allowed him to do that. And uh, he created this uh, amazing book, that uh, put him on the map in many ways. And uh, this was in the late 80s when he did this. And the book was published in 1992. Our playwright, 
Char White saw an exhibition of these beautiful pictures that he took in 2015 and decided he thought that there might be a play here. And um, then he started writing the play, and and now uh, it's on Broadway at Studio 54, and it stars Nathan Lane and Zoe Wanamaker and myself. And uh, we love the play very much. We think it's quite beautiful. And uh, we talk about many, many issues in the plays, uh, obviously family issues, uh, but it's also about how a piece of art is created. Um, So it works on many, many levels. And how did this impact you? I know when those of us in the audience were definitely impacted, which is the sign of good theater, but could relate to so much of it and actually feel longing for the experience of you, the son. Like I kept thinking, why didn't I come up with something like that for the family? Because you really want to get to know your parents and that's right. what happened here. Did this impact you in many ways? It did, obviously. Um, the uh, the idea of holding on to your parents and, and wanting them to live not forever. <laughs> yeah, not die. I thankfully, both, both my parents are still very much alive and doing well. They live in Queens. Um, and uh, I'm, I was, it was ver- a very moving experience for me when they saw the the show on opening night, um, I was very, <laughs> it was very weepy that night because, uh, you know, I love them so much and I want to hold on to them so much and I want to understand them. And uh, this play uh, brings up all those themes. And uh, it, that's why I, I keep using the word beautiful. I think it is a beautiful play and it's very, very impactful on, on our audiences. You hear the weeping at the end of the play it's so beautiful, but it's it's not sad, to, you know, no. per se. It's also screamingly funny. You have two of the greatest comic actors uh, in the world, Nathan Lane and Zoe Wanamaker, up there, and and they're you know super super uh, bright and interesting uh, people, and so they bring full fully realized characters to life, but they're also screamingly funny. Well, and when you see it. There's, it's really about many things, as you point out, but it's about family. Yeah. And I've so longed to know, parents are so protective when kids are growing up that you feel in a way you don't really know them that much. I mean, what makes them tick? Are they really happy? What, What's behind mm-hmm. all of this? And this is right. what happens in this play. Yeah. And this is the son's job, this project that parents don't get. I mean, is this kid ever going to make a living? How is he going to support his own family doing this? Ten years. Yeah, yeah. ten years. What did your long... parents think? Uh, my parents loved it. They absolutely loved it. And uh, they were, uh, needless to say, very, very proud. Um, yeah, it is, it, it is a beautiful play that way. It, it, it asks. The character, Larry Salton, asks the important questions of his parents, and it isn't always easy to hear the answers, and it isn't always easy for the parents to reveal the truth. As you said, parents want to protect their children, and they want to forget the the very difficult times, Um, but he delves into their 
if you will, origin stories and tries to tease out of them the truth of what happened and how they arrived at where they are, but also who they are. And the, and your character, Larry, is really an artist, too. I mean, we can't yeah. let go of that fact that it's not just a son trying to hold on to his parents. Mm-hmm. He comes to it from many different directions, including he is an artist. Right. And the great thing about the conceit of this play is that we use Larry Sultan's actual photographs Mm -hmm. from the book in the play and we refer to them they're projected on the back wall we refer to them constantly and they are the original photos but we refer to them as ourselves and uh so i'm talking to nathan lane but looking at a picture of irving sultan on the back wall but referring to him my dad uh sorry nathan lane as Irving. And, um, and it's, you know, after, you know, it's, I'm sure it takes a second for the audience to go, oh, that's what they're doing. But then I've been told by the end of it, by, from people who are, uh, have seen the show, that you fully accept it and that you, you start to think, oh, that is him. It looks just like him, actually. They have a, a lot of similar qualities. Um, and that's the great conceit about the play, because these gorgeous masterpiece pictures are projected on the back. Yeah, and we it's talk incredible. About yeah, and very... you know what else I really like, Danny, is that when you do what you in the play, as the son does, trying to find out everything you can about your parents, you wind up finding yourself in many ways too. That's exactly right. And that's the, that's the journey of the play. Uh, for my character, especially uh, figuring out who I'm supposed to be, uh, what kind of a man I'm supposed to be, what kind of an artist I'm supposed to be, and why, trying to figure out why I decided to do this project to begin with. Larry, at the beginning, is not quite sure what he's looking for, as, as that's the journey of any artist. You never know what the end goal is. You just start out because you have this deep, idea that there could be something beautiful there and uh he realizes that he wants his parents to live forever in this in this idealized but actually real very real raw way um so he wants it to be everything all at once in these pictures uh extremely raw extremely real and uh honest but he also wants them, you know, idealized and romanticized and to see, he wants everybody to see what he sees in them. And then he sees that, you know, he just never wants to let that go. And that uh, is actually, it's kind of simple in a way, but it's also beautiful, universal, and uh, extremely profound at the same time, his discovery of that idea. When you were coming of age, was being an actor right up there? Um, I was very lucky. You know, I both my parents are teachers. My dad uh, taught ancient Greek philosophy at, at Queens College for 53 years. And my mom, who's 82, is still teaching art. Um, I, I was not much of a reader. 
And my my dad, you know, much to the chagrin of my parents, uh, they would my dad would give me uh, book after book, and I would read about ninety pages and then get bored with it. And then he gave me a play, and that sort of opened up the world of theater to me. And I loved, and I asked him for more, and I kept reading play after play after play. And um, I never thought I could actually make a living as an actor. I, I just thought it would be a, a lovely, you know, way to make a living, but I never thought of that as anything uh, actually, uh, anything real. Um, I thought it was just kind of a pipe dream. Uh, and people told me how difficult it was to be an actor. And then when I was 13, um, a teacher of mine said, you should be in my play when I was at Parsons Junior High School in Queens. Uh, and I did this play with my teacher, my English teacher. And afterwards, he said, you know what? You should go to the High School of Performing Arts. And I said, well, what's the High School of Performing Arts? And he explained it to me. And he said, Ben Vereen went there and Liza Minnelli went there. And I said, well, that's fantastic. What do I have to do? He said, you have to prepare a couple of monologues. And I said, great. What's a monologue? And, you know, he explained the whole audition process. And the year I auditioned, well over 4,000 kids, New York City school kids, auditioned uh, to get into the drama department, and 127 made it in. And I was just lucky. I got very lucky that day. And all of a sudden, this um, insane pipe dream that I had that was sort of in the back burner uh, came to life. And uh, the very first day, they said, if you don't think you want to be an actor for the rest of your life, you may be in the wrong place. Um, and I just knew that that's what I always wanted to do. It, it's where my imagination flourished and um, where my heart was. So I got extremely lucky that day. And you, you followed your dreams through. What about your own family? You have uh, children. I do. I have two sons. My older son is a first AD on films, on feature films, and also on commercials. Um, he just had a film at South by Southwest. He's, he's doing great. He goes from one feature to another, Alex. And my younger son, Zach, is on the West Coast, and he's uh, a musician. Um, he plays like 14 instruments, and he's mm. uh, extremely talented. So, uh, the, do I you guess, worry they, about them? Did you were you the parent who said, like maybe your parents, and like I did to my own kid, why can't you be a lawyer, an accountant, a doctor? <laughs> well, I never, I never said that to my my kids. When I was lucky enough to have uh, a philosopher for uh, a father who was a writer and a protege of Philip Roth. Oh, you're kidding! So he my, was an artist in his way. Yeah. So Dad said things like, what would you like to do when you grow up? Um, what would you like to be? You can be anything you want. Would you like to be a poet? Would you, wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, who says that to their kids? I just got lucky in that way. That and you so I, really were lucky. Yeah, and so I didn't put that kind of pressure on my own kids. I wanted them to find their own path, but I knew I would... Uh, just like my dad did, I tried to instill um, moral values into them. And um, so they knew right from wrong and they knew 
that uh, kindness was the best way to proceed in any situation. Um, and they chose paths that uh, made them happy. And I'm, I couldn't be uh, more proud of both of them, and they're doing okay. So, Okay, and, and they were lucky because, you know, it's it's really so interesting, which is why I related even so much to the play. But I kept thinking, I know better. Why am I urging him to do something that would never really interest him? Is mm. safety that important, or do you have to jump to really go somewhere? Mm. And that's, sometimes that's, you have to jump. Yeah, that's really beautifully said, Joe. Well, so what's of all the disciplines that you're involved in, Danny, and I'm talking to Danny Verstein in Pictures from Home, Studio 54 on Broadway, you've, you've got to see it because you're going to reach out and touch it. And it gives you a lot of thought. In fact, we left the theater and usually we're all trying to grab a cab this time we went over to Sardi's and sat there at the bar talking about the play and our reaction and our feelings, which is was uh, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of that. And I'm, I'm very, um, I'm honored that the uh, play has that kind of impact on people. Yeah, and, and also that your own family could see it, which yeah. is you know, really special and that you could be there w even with them to mm -hmm. understand what all this, it it's definitely touches hearts everywhere. And yeah. so you were familiar with the photographer, Larry Sultan? No, I never seen any of, not, none of us in the play were familiar with his work. But um, afterwards, of course, we were, you know, we just did a deep dive into everything he ever did. And thankfully, uh, his widow, uh, Kelly, because Larry is no longer with us, um, Kelly was around and his sons were around. So we got, uh, you know, very personal information about him and about who he was as a human being, um, not just as an artist. And uh, they gave us access to the actual tape recordings that he did with his parents at the time, which is uh, incredibly moving to listen <clears throat> to listen to those uh, those tapes, uh, you know, to hear what the actual you know conversations were like in the moment, um, and they were you know hours and hours and hours of them, and uh, very moving and very silly, and they actually loved one another, you know, deeply. Even though you know it, was, it could be tense, of course, because you're you're asking these people to open up their souls, bear mm -hmm. their souls to their son, you know, someone they may not want to open up to, um, and uh, and expose themselves as being vulnerable in some way. And uh, you know, it's it's very moving. It was very moving to actually have uh, those tapes given to us by his widow Kelly who is uh, an amazing human being who still lives right. up. In and Green certainly Grove. moving for us to see it. And I loved the way everyone was dressed. Oh my gosh, that rang so many bells. <laughs> yes, yeah, the late 80s, right. Oh, 
That's Monday. right. I said they they must have come to my house and done my mother and her card group. Right. Well, who didn't have an avocado green refrigerator at the time? <laughs> I loved no, all that. It was great. So, uh, Danny, now this occupies obviously a great deal of time. What else is on the bursting plate? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I have a. Uh, uh, I did a episodes of a show called Will Trent that's on ABC. Um, there's a new TV show called. Uh, Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies. It's a prequel to the movie or and the show Grease. Uh-huh. Um, did an episode of that. Um, worked on a show called Julia on HBO. And wow. I record <laughs> every day. I record, a, I record a bunch of cartoon voices for Dora the Explorer. And I'm on a TV show called uh, Tokyo Vice. Um, I'm always doing something. Uh, it's very busy. and uh, And it's a full life. No doubt about it. Well, I'm excited and let it long rain. And this is something you really have to see. It gave us enormous pleasure. We had, you know, it's rare that you experience every emotion. That's what theater should do and does often. And in this play in particular, it was about any of our lives, even though it's a son, it could have been a daughter. It's about our lives, our families, and the things that we don't really get to see underneath unless we're in that position and have to look. So it was a real treat. All the best to you, Danny. I look forward to talking to you again. I look forward to it as well. Take care, my friend. Thanks. Danny Burstein on Broadway in Pictures from Home. And this is a fairly new play that all of us got such pleasure out of. I've got lots more show for you, so stay tuned. And you're listening to WABC, and I'm Joan Hamburg. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Ask Joan. We barely had winter, and now cherry blossom season is starting, and I know a lot of you have said, where are they? Where can we see them? These trees are so gorgeous, and they're blooming in a lot of places in our tri-state area. Branch Brook Park, you know that, in Essex County, New Jersey. And it's in Newark's Northwood section, less than 45 minutes from Manhattan. Go to EssexCherryBlossom.com. Honestly, you don't have to go to Washington, D.C. It's fun. It's a great trip. But the cherry blossoms are right in our own backyard. Branch Brook Park in Essex County has the largest cherry blossom collection in the United States. More than 5,200 cherry blossom trees, 18 varieties. And I went to see them a while ago. Oh my gosh, it is so beautiful. 
all these gorgeous trees set in this beautiful park. The park is 360 acres, lawns and playing fields, you name it, historic sites. We love it. And it's a free self-guided cell phone historic walking tour. And you all have to just dial 973-433-9047. There are 72 tour stops and there's a barcode at each one that unlocks the park history, horticulture information. It's great. And starting next week is the 2023 Essex County Cherry Blossom Festival. Goes through April 16th. Lot of events, including special things for the family. There's a bike race, a run, local talks. If you want to see the whole deal, go to EssexCherryBlossom.com. Come. A little advice, try to go during the week. Parking on the weekends is challenging. Central Park in Manhattan, they're mainly between 72nd Street and 96th Street for the best cherry blossoms. Absolutely beautiful. And the Conservancy has a 1.5 hour expert-led reservoir tour, and it features the beautiful Yoshino cherry trees. And it tells you how they came to Central Park, how the Conservancy takes care of it, and you may hit the full bloom. So the tours are the 7th, the 8th, the 13th, the 15th, the 16th, 35 a person. Go to centralparknyc.org. You can sign up. The Brooklyn Botanic Gardens, has wonderful cherry blossoms that we really love seeing. It's spectacular. And over the next couple of weeks, more than 200 flowering cherry trees. You'll see the progression from buds to flowers to falling petals, all there in the Japanese hill and pond gardens on Cherry Esplanade Lawn and on the Cherry Walk. A lot of great stuff that you can do. Go on to B bbg.org, bbg.org slash visit. Special programs out of the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens. I know you're going to love it. And on weekends, there's pop-up music, dance performances, workshops for the kids. It's really something special. We're lucky. So take advantage. <laughs> 